It, it is interesting to me because, Chris, I've known you for years, but I did not know uh, you were a rugby player. Yeah. Yep. I had, yep. I had, I had no clue. Well, um, as my wife says, it comes out uh, relatively frequently um, because I am a knucklehead. Um, and so I think that is uh, part of part of being a, a rugby player is uh, being a little bit of a knucklehead. So, yep. oh, my gosh, are you you're not running around the house with a big uh, cup, like holding the big cup up in the house? And no, but but what is really cool is um, uh, so I, I had this old rugby jacket from I went to this small school in Maine called Colby College. Yeah. And so, you know, I had my my Colby, you know, rugby warm up jacket. And the happiest moment was when my teenage daughter, who happened to at the time a teenager, just got married last weekend. Um, Congratulations, by the way. Thank you very much. She she went out with some of her friends um, uh, wearing my rugby jacket. So I said, all right, you know, that's cool. Uh, and I'm cool again for a very short amount of time. So uh, no cups uh, running around, but uh, my, my rugby jacket. Was on. But, Chris, you have far. I had a letter jacket uh, from high school, not mm -hmm. quite the same, but a letter jacket from high school. And the kids were doing um, 90s day or something when they were yep. kids or something. And I was like, oh, you could wear this. And they're like, we're not wearing that, Dad. No, we're not touching that, Dad. <laughs> <laughs> it's too lame. That's weird. Yeah, yeah. You want yeah. high waisted jeans, but not this really cool letter jacket? They're like, oh, come on, touch that. Yep. Oh my God. All right. Well, uh, are you ready, Chris? You want to jump right in? Rock and roll. All right, let's do it. Welcome to the CXR channel, our premier podcast for talent acquisition and talent management. Listen in as the CXR community discusses a wide range of topics focused on attracting, engaging, and retaining the best talent. We're glad you're here. Okay, welcome to another fun episode uh, of our CXR Recruiting Community Podcast. You have found the spot uh, where we sit and talk for a few minutes each week with an industry professional, practitioner, or friend about what's going on in the recruiting space and what is top of mind for them. Now, if you have joined us on uh, Twitter, LinkedIn, YouTube, Facebook, uh, and we're live, please go ahead and jump into the chat and say hello to us. Uh, hello, Saudi Arabia. I already, I already see we've got our first one in there. So, But feel free to drop your profile link in there so that everyone can connect with you online or add a question as we go. And we'll see if we can get uh, that question thrown out to the guest and get you an answer. As a reminder, uh, this show is really a labor of love and it's driven by your likes, comments, and guest requests, not ads uh, or paying guests or sponsors. Uh, but it's not just your subscription links that bring us back, but it's your request for us to interview somebody of interest to you. So if you've got a request, drop it in the chat or connect with us at cxr.works and let us know who you'd like to see on the show. Now, today's guest, no stranger to the podcast, and welcoming back Chris Foreman. He's industry friend, founder, CEO at AppCast. Welcome back to the show, Chris. Thanks so much, Chris. Great to be here. Hey, good. I love zooming people in from the from the green room. It feels it just feels so formal and technical. <laughs> yeah, very fancy. Very Chris, fancy. For, for, for those who don't know you, uh, why don't you give us sort of an escalator pitch on on who is Chris Foreman and and why do we care what Chris has to say today? Well, I'm unsure if I can answer the last question about why you should care to listen to me, but I'll tell you about who I am. Um, Chris Foreman. I'm uh, 52 years old. Um, I uh, have lived for the last 30 years right near Dartmouth College. Um, Angela and I have four kids and uh, we live in a little dairy farm. Um, but uh, candidly, uh, it's not 
you can't really make a living with milk. And so I go to work. And for the last uh, 20 years, what I've been doing is I've uh, partnered with an amazing group of people up here and around the globe to build a series of recruiting technology companies. Um, the first business I ran was a company by the name of Ayers. So if anyone out there is Ayers trained um, or used our kind of the industry's first recruitment CRM platform, um, that's us. Uh, we sold that to uh, the largest recruitment outsourcing firm at the time in 2008, The Right yep. Thing. Yep. Um, help grow that business and then help sell it to ADP. And um, after that, I founded an incubator um, called Start Date Labs. And, um, you know, we, we graduated three companies out of that. And AppCast is the most recent one and by far and away the most successful kind of rec tech business um, the team here has ever built. Um, so, you know, AppCast, for those of you who don't know, we make software that um, helps large organizations, specifically enterprises and more and more everyday global enterprises, buy and optimize um, job ads more effectively. Because yep. um, more often than not, that's one of the biggest parts of a recruiting budget outside of people. And so the idea is software can do some things really well. And one of the things it does really well is do math. And so by doing math better, you can sometimes make your job ads give you more hires and cost less. I got, Chris, I got into recruiting because I was told there would be no math. Yeah. <laughs> Why? There's math in everything. I tell my kids that. They're like, I don't like, well, you better get good at it because it matters. Yeah. Yep. Like, I just want to say, Mrs. Payne, my eighth grade math teacher, I am so, so sorry. I was unforgivable. <laughs> math is a thing and I, and I appreciate it. I'm sorry. <laughs> Look, Chris, you are... You are an authority on job advertising tech, right? It's technology. You, you, you mentioned you've been um, at AppCast, I think you said founded it in 2014. So that's nine, almost 10. There's the math again, right? Yep. So to put the topic, I think, of job boards and, and programmatic advertising in front of you is kind of a no-brainer. So, mm -hmm. so what I want to do is can we just, let's just jump in and talk about it a little bit. Like, let me ask you, like, what's going on in the world of recruitment advertising that, that we should really be paying attention to? Yeah, there, there, there's a there's a couple kind of, um, I guess I call them macro trends that, that are mm -hmm. going, you know, some of them are related to what we do as a business. And some of them actually are more about con content and, and job seeker engagement. Um, so, you know, let's let's start with. Um, you know, probably the most commercially agnostic one. And that is, is that um, there is a huge push, in fact, being led by Indeed, uh, to ensure that compensation is on every job ad. And right. Yeah. Well, that that's a big topic right now. It's a, it's a huge thing. And, you know, it's it's huge because, you know, Indeed basically made a decision that that either you're going to post your compensation or they're going to estimate it, which I applaud completely. Um, yeah. I applaud it not for any... Um, uh, shall we say altruistic reason? I'm going right. to do going back to the math thing. Job ads that have compensation, specifically market-based compensation. So, like you know, if if the market for a particular job is is twenty five dollars an hour and you're paying fifteen dollars an hour, that doesn't help. Right. But if you pay market rates, 
putting that information in the ad dramatically increases your reply to hire rates and actually increases the engagement that you have on your job ads. And so, you know, I think oftentimes the the conversations that folks are having about whether or not this is good or bad, you know, gets into some kind of altruistic, gee whiz, what's this going to do to the culture? Do I believe that we should be publishing these things? How are existing? Right. A lot of stuff, which is all real. But as a math guy, as a marketer, it's good. It's yeah. really you should well, do it. And, uh, our, our, so our leaders, right? We've got about hundred or so odd leaders that are that are within the CXR membership, and they're torn, right? They're really torn because in some, and this is we actually have indeed coming on the show in a couple of weeks where we're going to talk about this and, and why yeah. they pushed this initiative forward. But leaders sort of struggle sometimes, uh, and especially if the estimate is a little bit off of what they're actually going to be paying in that market, and it does present a little bit of a challenge for them. Uh, I think from a transparency standpoint, and it, it, I think it, it sort of flexes a little bit to tell that company it might be time to step that up uh, or, or, or get that level. But what we're not hearing a lot of yet is that realization of, well, numbers right or wrong are driving, driving the clicks, driving traffic. That's right. That's right. And and so that's what the data says, um, you know, and, and you know, at, at AppCast, we, we publish a lot of this information. We've got more research coming out about it because, in fact, it's such a hot issue. So, um, you know, the the companies have the ability to publish accurate data. So, like, if your issue is the estimates are wrong, you can solve that by not relying on, on a third party estimate. But um, so anyway, there's no right or wrong answer here. All that I'm saying is, is it's a big deal. It's a macro trend like this move to pay transparency um, not only is is legal. You know, there's a whole set of legal things going on in yeah. Colorado and in Massachusetts and in New York. But it's also kind of it's, it's got impacts on on recruitment marketing. Um, so so that's a, that's a big macro trend. Um, the other macro trend is kind of content related on, on the job side, which is um, as a result of COVID, um, because COVID, the COVID period really exacerbated the war for talent in the blue collar space. So like, yeah. I, you know, everyone thinks when you're talking about the war for talent, you're talking about software engineers in San Francisco. That ain't nothing compared to hiring truck drivers and warehouse workers and people working retail stores during COVID. I mean, it was broad swords and, and you know, shields and people bleeding all over the place. It was it was. I think that surprised a lot of people. I really think that a lot of people were t who hadn't done that type of hiring in in the past were really surprised to see that bubble up. Yeah, well, it, it was it you know it, um, you know Andrew Flowers, who I think you guys have spoken to before, you know, is our labor economist, and he's got this graph where it just shows demand and supply, and and especially when you get into those frontline worker situations, the yep. yaw was even greater. So. What that forced companies to do was to try and figure out ways to, to you know, sand the surfboard and, you know, kind of figure out how to make it work a little bit better. Yeah. And um, the, the reality is that because of that, it forced a lot of A-B testing in the role of content. Mm -hmm. So like figuring out how to talk about a job and understanding the impact that that has, not just on conversion rate to an apply, but you know, all the way to the higher, like there are ways to write a job that actually improve the likelihood that your application, your applicants are going to get hired. Everything from the title to how long it is to like, we did some research with um, uh, a professor at Harvard Business School. Mm -hmm. And we found that if you talk about four non-cash benefits, so not like how much money you make, but right. four 
per non-cash benefits, it increases the apply rate by 22%. So think about that for a minute. Like if you, 22%. So if you're spending um, a buck, um, you will get 22% more applicants for that dollar if you just purely mention four non-cash benefits. And what I'd like everyone here to to know is free coffee is a non-cash benefit. Every major company has free coffee. And like, I mean, it sounds goofy, but like you can, you can, if you can't fix it, feature it. You can talk about a lot of stuff. And so, you know, because at the end of the day, what that research said was when you're talking about non-cash benefits, those ads are talking about what's in it for me for the job seeker. We talk about what's in it for me. And, and so an organization that is thinking that way writes much better job ads from the lens of the job seeker. And, you know, that's well, marketing 101, but like we, we got forced to do it. Well, yeah, look, I, I wouldn't disagree with you, but I would tell you that, and, and this came up on another show we talked about and, and in one of our recent membership meeting, but job descriptions, the job ads could be one of the lowest hanging fruit, oh, yeah. you know, solutions. One of the easiest things to tackle. It's voluminous for the bigger corporations, right? But, why are they still so shitty? They're so bad, Chris. Well, the, the real answer is, is it goes to the, in my opinion, um, is that a lot of the fundamental job descriptions that go into the leveling that exists at big companies end up having job requirements that are in your HRERP systems. Mm-hmm. And the integration between the HRERP system and the applicant tracking system is like when you open up a requisition, you hit a button and whap, it comes on in. Yep. And people are like, yeah, that's fine. Slap it out there. Let's go. And they don't yeah. understand the Delta. And so, yeah, man, I mean, it's it's a huge lift, but we're starting to see that change. Um, and some of that's being driven by software. You know, some of our software and other people's software allows you to test one version of an ad versus another mm-hmm. version and find out, oh, that one works way better. So that's <laughs> that's really, you know, that that's kind of a big, big thing that's coming. Um, yeah. So the I think the A-B testing for, for what works is is pretty, uh, pretty important. And I think it's probably something a lot of folks are not are not aware of uh, sort of even exists. Right. Yeah. I mean, it's 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 also something like when you say A-B testing um, blank stairs, you know, this is all this is all marketing stuff. And yeah, I mean, not a lot of people understand what it is, the ability to to run a mathematically valid you know test between two pieces of content. But um, as I mean, for you know, as long as I've known you, Chris, we've talked about the transition from recruitment being fundamentally a sales operation, you know, operations and sales yep. to moving towards more of, you know, there's there is a marketing skill set that's very much involved here. And for so, sure. I mean, you, you got to do that type of stuff and understand it. Um, beyond those two things, you know, I think that there's a, a big push on transparency, um, you know, the 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 the, the job the job board world's a super interesting place. Um, do you know the largest buyers of, of job ads um, uh, in the United States, who they are? The largest buyer of job advertisements. Buyers, buyers as a category of job ads in the United States. No, who? Other job sites. I believe that. So job site A goes and sells an employer and they get a $10,000 budget, okay? Yeah they realize that they can only, you know, satisfy 60% of the budget. And in a pay for performance model, if in fact you don't have enough clicks to earn, you know, the full budget, you've got 
the reality that you may have sold $10,000, but you can only deliver $6,000 and that's leaving money on the table. So what do you do? You take that ad and you actually go buy traffic from other job sites. So like when you look at your source report and you see, oh, I got this hire from job site X. Yeah. That's not really job site X. Maybe, maybe. <laughs> I mean, it could be. Um, you know, and but that's been going on for years and years and years. It, it has been, but it, as the war for talent, especially in the blue collar space, increased, you know, this happened more and more. The growth of, of pay for performance ad models mm -hmm. and the need for, you know, in a lot of places, more volume ha has led to this, you know, the technical word is resyndication. And so more and more buyers are starting to understand that and say, okay, hold on a second. You know, if I'm going to buy direct, I want to know I'm just getting stuff from your site and your site. Right. And then I want to, if I want to basically bet the infield, which is go to everybody, which is what you should do. Think about this. Like imagine in your 401k, if you only bought one stock, mm -hmm. that's kind of dumb, right? Even if it's a great stock, you know, like take a look yeah. at what's happened to the tech stocks, all of a sudden they've gone down, you want to bet the infield. And so you want to have a mutual fund. And so this idea of saying, all right, if I buy direct from somebody, I just want to be able to get just their traffic, boom, boom. And then, you know, whether it's something like our AppCast Accelerate platform or somebody else's, you know, there's a mutual fund that you can buy. And within that, there's transparency about where all this stuff comes from. Gives you the ability to kind of have a, a clearer sense. Yes. Well, so the, the analogy, uh, I get it. It's uh, it's yeah. a beautiful analogy, but of a, of a managed account, That's right? right? I don't have time to pick out 75 different stocks to diversify and make sure. But what I think I hear you saying is saying taking that same approach and sort of diversifying gets us yeah. much more, well, safer return. Uh, typically, we'd expect on that investment. That's right. You know, it's it's dollar cost averaging, you know, all the stuff that literally if you yeah. go talk to a financial advisor, these are the same things that like when you're thinking about making your your job ad investments, it's important. And it's also one of the things that, um, you know, I get asked this a lot. Hey, what's the best job site? Well, I don't know. And I do this for a living. Um, the, the, the reality is, is that yeah. how your job operates within different marketplaces is a function of a whole series of things. And so understanding what works and what doesn't for you is always a function of, again, going back to that A-B test, try it, adjust, try it and adjust. And so in that environment, the ability to understand what is working and what isn't, not just from where you're getting applies. Yeah. This is, this is again, going to the next macro point of transparency is the apply to hire ratio. There are huge differences depending on brands and oh, jobs yeah. between, you know, how they perform to getting a hire. And in like some cases, it's not like 5% better, it's no. double. So that means like you could see a situation where you're paying, let's say whether you're paying on pay for performance or you're buying a posting, it doesn't really matter. You, you put $500 into a job and you get 10 applies. Okay, yeah. so 50 bucks an apply. And another site, you put $500 into a job and you get 20 applies. That, if you just looked at how much the applies cost, yeah. one is way more expensive and one is way cheaper. I'm not saying that this is always the case where when you pay more, you get more because oftentimes yeah. it's the exact opposite. But I, what I am saying is, is that data shows that like there are places where you know, honestly, you could pay $250 and apply and it still delivers a cheaper cost per hire yeah. than if you're getting, you know, a $5 apply. 
So I remember when the whole concept of, because we've been doing this a while, right? I'm going on 30 years in the space. You're going on the same, like I feel like, and we're, I think we're the same age. So it's, I remember when the concept of PPC for, for jobs sort of, sort of broke ground. Yep. And my, my biggest complaint was as, as a, I don't know if I was an early adopter, but someone trying to invest in that in that tech early on before it sort of been refined. My biggest complaint was my my agency kept telling me. I said, "Look, it's not really performing." They kept saying, "Just put more money in it. Mm-hmm. Can you just just put a little more money into the PPC and it'll be fine. It, it'll start to perform." And I just didn't have it. So it's that that has always stuck with me up front. But let me ask you. I'm not going to ask you, Chris, what your what your you know favorite job board is or which one performs the best. But I do want to ask you. What do you think is kind of a common misconception people might have about programmatic job advertisement? Well, so is it dump more money in it and it'll work? Is that, is that no, no. So, so people often think that programmatic job advertising is different than job advertising. It's mm-hmm. not. So, like, you know, people will say, Well, I, I already buy from this site and this site and this site, and now I want the programmatic. Well, if, if you go to an advertising agency or you go to another pure play, you know, provider, you know, like our friends over at, you know, Jovio or Pando Logic or, yep. you know, us, the reality is, is that what programmatic means, at least to me, is the use of software to manage all your job ad buying. And so what that kind of inherent in that, that means that we're using software to manage what works and what doesn't by tracking the impression to the click, to the apply, to the hire. It's understanding what content works and what content does it. It's understanding the cost deltas between the different places that you can go. So it's not a discrete category. It's basically the use of software to manage your job board budget. Yeah. And so that's that's where we spend a lot of time. And finally, the light bulb goes off saying, oh, I get it. You use we, we can use your stuff to make make this whole thing better. Not just like it's not just another source. And we're like, yeah, that's mm-hmm. it. They're like, OK, cool. So that's it. Um, the other thing that's, um, you know, from a transparency standpoint, you know, I think that, um, you know, where does the apply come from? What what applies actually get hired? Those are critical points. The, the, the other thing is that. Um, everybody needs to ask how you get paid. Mm-hmm. Okay. So like, Chris, when you were talking with an ad agency and they said, just put more money into, you know, uh, the PPC. Yeah. Do you know how ad agencies make money? Would it be off the money I put in for the PPC? <laughs> they, they, they charge you, they charge you a fee and then yeah. there are, and there's, and a commission is when a publisher pays an agency, yep. um, because they're bringing them the business. There is nothing wrong with having commissions whatsoever, as long as they are transparent. You as the buyer should know, okay, my agency gets paid 15% if they sell me Indeed or you know whatever it happens to be. And they get paid 35% if they sell something else. And that happens. So because different publishers want more business from different agencies, they will give them economic incentives to theoretically do it again. No problem. But but this issue of transparency, like if you look outside of of the, uh, you know, kind of recruitment advertising space into the broader advertising space over the last decade, there's been this move to fee transparency and understanding who gets paid and how. Yeah. Um, And I think that that's something that's 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 coming you know, in our direction. So, so, so all those things are important. 
So I want to make sure I understand. So what I think I hear you saying is that the, that level of transparency, and we continue to, we see this swell of this movement, right, will we'll trickle into countless aspects of, of what recruiting does and, and with regards to the recruiting industry, right? So, so just beyond how much something costs, but like where does all the money go and who does it go to? That's right. And, and, you know, it's, again, there's nothing wrong with, with, with publishers paying, paying commissions, as long as, you know, whoever is, is, you know, hiring the agency or the programmatic provider understands, okay, that's how you get paid. Right. You know, so, so transparency is this big theme, transparency in what we pay people, transparency in where the applies come from, transparency in who gets hired, transparency in terms of how everybody gets paid. If what, we as an industry want to do is professionalize and become more like, let's say, the marketing technology industry or the or the online marketing industry. All these things are critical to that because that's how you get more efficient is is you got to know which knobs to turn. And the only way you can do that is by understanding what works and what doesn't and how everybody gets paid. Well, and it seems to me that the more transparency, the more transparent we become, the more we level that playing field a bit. Right. And the more we see who some of the bad actors right, uh, are inside of that equation and, and gives the buyers or the or the applicant, whatever side of that you may be on uh, options. Right. More, yeah. more, more. Yeah. More informed options. That's right. That's right. Yeah. Exactly. Right. That. So, yeah. look, Chris, I'm going to ask you because uh, we're, we're right at we try to keep these pretty snackable. So we're right at about 20 minutes or so. But let me ask you, if you were going to write a book today about the topic that we've just discussed, what do you think that title would be? Recruitonomics. Um, which happens to- <laughs> no, like, uh, honestly, Chris, I can answer this because I tried to write a book last year called Recruitonomics and life got busy and it failed in the whole nine yards. And so we decided to launch a blog on it and the whole. But the, the reason why I love that word and the name for that, first off, I think it's incredibly marketable, um, is talent acquisition in the environment that we're in, where we have relatively fluid marketplaces and we have people acting as more independent agents, right? Mm-hmm. You know, like when, when our parents worked, they worked for one or two companies. Sure. When, when I work, you know, we work for seven or eight. Our kids are going to work for 20 or 25. That means it's a much more fluid marketplace. Mm-hmm. Supply and demand is going to what really dictates how people get paid and honestly how like society works and how companies you know make decisions on talent acquisition and that's the combination of how good we actually are good operationally at our job recruiting right mm-hmm. and the other part of it is it's macroeconomics and wow. and more than ever it's going to become more fluid and i think that that's 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 something that if i had to make a bet you know, like, again, when we first started to know each other, the bet was that recruiting organizations were going to start to have their own marketing teams. That has yep. come true. Yep. The bet I'm going to make is by the time our kids have our jobs, they're going to, recruiting organizations are going to have their own economic intelligence units to try and really understand talent supply and demand in their markets. Yeah, I could get behind that. I mean, we already see some of that. We see economists leaking over and 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 offering intelligence to the the HR teams, right? Yeah. And the, from a talent management perspective, yeah. and talent planning, that might that might be here sooner than you think. Maybe. All right. Well, look, Chris, uh, you wrote the book. Who gets the first signed copy? My father. 
Oh, you're killing me. You're killing Sorry. me. Sorry. He gave me the first signed copy of his book, so I got to return the favor. Oh, that's fantastic. I love it. Look, Chris, I want to thank you for being on the show. Don't go anywhere. I'm going to kick you over into the green room, but I'm so grateful of your time today. We really appreciate you. Thanks, brother. Good stuff, man. All right. I just want to remind everybody a couple of things. Uh, CXR.org slash events. That's where you go to see what's next. So not just for our members meetings uh, and alumni meetings, uh, but also for the podcast show. We throw some stuff out there. Of course, you can find everything just podcast at CXR.org slash podcast. And then we have a lecture series uh, as we round into the last half of the year. We have done this monthly. It is a big hit. Uh, you can also ask for the topics there. Those topics are chosen by our leaders and our members. Uh, and we do one a month from a lecturer uh, or a speaker that we acquire from anywhere around the world. I want to give a quick shout out here at the end for the folks who are in the chat stream. Some of you we threw up there, some of we didn't. Muhammad, Michelle, Dina, David. Thanks, guys, for chiming in. We really appreciate it. And I want to thank everybody for being on the show. And we will see you in a week. Thanks for listening to the CXR channel. Please subscribe to CXR on your favorite podcast resource and leave us a review while you're at it. Learn more about CXR at our website, cxr.works, facebook.com and twitter.com slash career crossroads and on Instagram at career X roads. We'll catch you next time.